0: And go to the book of Luke chapter number 22, Luke chapter number 22, help me out as much as you can Mr. Sound Man, I'll be your best friend all weekend and I'll give you a thousand dollars at the end of the weekend if I still got a voice, amen. Luke chapter number 22, Luke chapter number 22 and verse 31, the uh, title of this meeting is for the children's sake. And, uh, somebody said the other day, they said, you know, I was, he was a real smart person, uh, so called, and they was, we were debating on the King James Bible. And I like debating. I like talking to people, and I like, I like, uh, shooting back and forth at each other. And, uh, he, you know, he, he used a different version, and I, I was telling him everything he wanted to hear, and more than that, at some even of it. And uh, he's tried to explain it away and all this different stuff. And he said, what's your main reason for sticking on that King James Bible? I said, because if somebody doesn't stand on the Word of God, and if somebody doesn't stand on the truth of the Word of God, and the inspiration of the Word of God, they're already changing it left and right every day. Somebody's trying to get rich by making a new version. All this is about money. Who can make the easiest version, making more money? And I said, if somebody doesn't stand, what will my boy have to read in 30 years? And the the devil's job is to water things down. Can't you see that? The devil, his goal is to water things down. And right now it may not make a difference, but I promise you this. If somebody doesn't stand on it now, then later in generations down the road, they won't have any truth at all. If somebody doesn't stick by old-time Holy Ghost worship, and we don't get pacified by these dead, dry churches, then what's going to happen in the generation to come? If our preachers all turn into pansies and won't preach the Word of God, then what will the next generation have as preachers down the road? I'm just saying that for the children's sake, we've got to stick by some things. I don't give a rip about opinions. I don't give a rip about uh, people's, uh, w- what they think and different things. Uh, all of those things don't matter. But there's things that I will stick onto until the Lord comes by. And that's the truth of the Word of God. Uh, for the children's sake, that's what we're doing here this weekend. And I believe that all we're doing is passing down the mantle of what God's given us in our lives. And I sure do thank God that one day somebody passed some things my way, aren't you? Uh, Luke chapter number 22, Luke chapter number 22, I thank you for being in your place tonight. I thank God for Pastor John Dale being my friend, and I thank God for all He's meant in my life from the time I was a little kid in a camp meeting. I remember hearing Brother John preach when I was just a little boy, and I appreciate him and thank God for him and his wife and his family, and uh, me and Jerry's just been looking forward to coming back. That barbecue y'all made last year. I've been run. Y'all know that word up here, run. I've been run all year long. You can't find y'all's kind of barbecue in a restaurant. We, I, I've been going every. I, I'll be on before last year. I wasn't crazy about barbecue, and I ate y'all's barbecue and your barbecue sauce. And ever since then, I've been running this world trying to find barbecue like what y'all had here, and I can't find it nowhere. Are y'all cooking that again this year? I won't be here Saturday. I need some tomorrow. Thank you, sir. Luke chapter number 22. Luke chapter number... If you're glad you say, say amen. amen. Stand to your feet in reverence for the Word of God. Let's read a text. Give me just a little bit more. These people's ears ain't hurting me. I want to be as loud as Rod Parsley is on TV. Amen? Uh, Luke chapter number 22. Luke chapter number 22. The Bible said in verse number 31... And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Verse 32, But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Heavenly Father, I pray you'd help us tonight. I pray, God, you'd be with us, meet with us. I pray You'd anoint the Word of God. Touch, Lord, not only my heart, my mind, and my lips, but, God, I pray that You would anoint the ears of the people that are hearing the Word of God tonight. I pray You'd change us, transform us, God. Turn us into what You need us to be. And, God, may we fall greater in love with You, God, by the time this thing's over. Lord, be with my wife while I'm gone. And, Lord, may You take care of us, God. And may You strengthen us over the next few days. And, God, for that, we'll say thank You, And we'll give you the glory, for it's in the name of Jesus we pray and all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Inside of this verse, I've heard nearly my entire life uh, preached about this chapter about Simon. Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. I've heard this chapter and this little phrase preached on many a time in my life. Uh, but many things begin to stick out to me when uh, inside of this chapter. Uh, one thing that stuck out to me inside of this verse was the word "converted." The word "converted" is in this word of God, and it's in this passage. And I find it to be very, very important that we understand the the depth of this word named "converted." Uh, not only that, but there's one little phrase here and you have to understand the story before I mention this next one, but, but Simon is at the height of his ministry. Simon is at the very top of the ladder. Simon is walking and talking with Jesus Christ Himself. Simon is in the inner circle of everything that is godly in this day. Simon is the man. Simon's got it made in the shade with the glass of lemonade. Simon is the man. If you went to a meeting where Simon was preaching, he'd have the big banners up over his table. I mean, Simon had it going on. Simon was was the man. He was at the top of everything at this time in Luke chapter number 22. There are many biblical and prophetic things that are coming to place inside this chapter. Judas is rising to the scene. He is about to take his place. He's about to betray the Lamb of God. Jesus has just said when they were sitting at the table, He said, whatever you're going to do, do it quickly. And Judas is rising to the scene as the person that would betray Jesus. Although Jesus was man, He was God. And He knew everything that was going on and He knew Judas was behind His back betraying everything about Him. He knew that very shortly and very soon that He was going to walk up the hill of Calvary and bear the sin and the shame of the entire world. In Luke chapter 22, we find the weight of Calvary and the weight of the world is falling and resting upon the shoulders of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We find that here in this chapter, He is teaching on preaching, and He's preaching, and He's teaching
1: the disciples. He is setting up and preparing His followers for the kingdom
0: of God. And in the middle of everything, while Jesus is teaching the followers, and while Jesus is teaching the people, and while Jesus is proclaiming a kingdom that is to come In the middle of all that, over in the corner, is a man by the name Simon. Simon is standing over there. He's smiling. I mean, everything's going on. Simon is advising people. Simon is counseling people. Simon is telling people what they needed to do. And in the middle of all of it, Jesus catches a glimpse of Simon. And although Jesus is man, He's also God, so He understands the future. And He sees a man named Simon. Simon thinks he's made it. Simon thinks he's made it to the pinnacle. But little did he know, Simon was fixing to face the greatest battle of his entire life. And although Jesus was man, He was very God. And I can see just as all that's going on, I can see Jesus saying, Time out. Hey, Daddy, give me just a minute. Time out. And he goes over to Simon. He loved Simon. He cared about Simon. He remembered when he picked Simon up off the side of the road and called him to be one of the twelve. He loved this man. And he said, Simon, Simon. I can see Simon looking into the eyes of that olive skinned Jesus. And he looked him in the eyes. And Jesus said, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift his wheat. Simon, here's the bad news, thinking, oh my goodness, the devil's... I mean, how would it be for you if if Jesus walked in the room and said, Satan has a personal vendetta against you. He has a personal score to settle with you. And the devil is on his way to your house and he's fixing to tango with your life. I can see, Simon, as the fear comes over him, as Jesus says... Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. He said, but I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. Here's something that grabbed a hold of me. This next line, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now it's one thing for Jesus. He he said, I I pray prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. Notice this, he did not pray that he wouldn't have to go through the storm. He didn't have, to, he did not, he didn't say, I'm gonna pray that you get exempt from this trial, that you get exempt from this problem, but rather rather instead, he said, I prayed that while you're in the midst of your battle, that your faith fail not. He said, and when thou art converted, it would be one thing if Jesus had said, and if you are converted, strengthen the brethren. It would be one thing if Jesus would have danced around it and said, if you pass the test, then you strengthen the brethren. But Jesus was prophetically telling Simon that you're going to make it through this. He said, when thou art converted, what would it do for you if you went to the doctor tomorrow and they said, sir, you have stage four cancer. It looks really bad. It's going to be really rough. But I talked to God and God told me you're going to make it. You don't need to worry. You see, that's what Jesus was doing there. He said, you're fixing to fight the greatest battle and
1: the greatest storm of your life. Oh, but I've prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. He was saying, Simon, you're fixing to face it, but trust me on this one, you don't have to fear, you don't have to worry, you don't have to quit, because one of these days, you You're going to make it. One of these days, you'll come through it. And one of these days, the greatest days of your ministry are on the other side of
0: this thing right here. You're going to make it, is what he's saying. It's one thing if I say, Brother John, I want you to pray for me. I have trust in his prayer. But it's a whole other thing. When Jesus prays for you. I could take you to the book of John, but I ain't got it memorized yet. But there's a verse in John where Jesus said, I've prayed for them also. He's prayed for you and I. And I'm going to tell you this, if Jesus can get a hold of God Almighty and if Jesus can get a hold of the ears of His Father, I promise you this, the devil may fight it and the devil may not like it. But I promise you this one thing. David said, I've been young and I've been old and I've not seen the righteous forsaken. You can trust in one. One thing, you are going to make it inside of this thing called life. Uh, With that said, I've got to deal with the word converted. The word converted. When do we make it? What do we have to do to get to the other side of this thing? You've got to get converted. We use the word converted. We Down through time, and then a lot of the early writers used this word converted. And when somebody was saved, they were called a convert. But what is the basics of this word? Me and my dad was talking about this while I was up in West Virginia, sitting beside a campfire. and The Lord had put this verse in my head, and me and my daddy started talking about this word converted. We started looking up and he said, look here, son. He said, the word converted at a basic root, all it means is to change. And uh, he said, son, he said, inside the walls in a house, there's power running through those walls. There's power lines that, that run from the outside to the inside to the box. And then those power lines, they go up and down in those walls. We have receptacles in the walls. Said and he said, pull out your iPhone. I pulled out my 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 iPhone five. Say man, right there. I pulled out my iPhone five. Brother John's jealous because he wants the iPhone five. I know he does. But uh, I think hey, you'll buy your pastor an iPhone five. Somebody take up an offer. But anyhow, I, I, he said he said the power that's in that wall is too strong for that iPhone. He said if you were to take the juice from that power line in that wall and hook it directly into that cell phone, it would fry it and it would destroy it because it can't handle that power. He said, so somebody had to design a converter. And what that converter does, it harnesses the power that's in that wall. And it puts it into a place lowly and a power stream low enough To where it can help and be a blessing and can convert the power to where it's useful in the life of that iPhone.
1: The word converted
0: means to change. To get something that is so great and so powerful and get it to a place where it is useful in these days. I'm just going to mention a couple things and I'm going to take my seat and I'm going to go find me some barbecue. Say, Amen, Mr. Sound Man. But the first place that I find this Word converted is when you and I get saved. The Word of God said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, all things passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The day that I got saved, I was a preacher's kid. I grew up in church. I was knew. I never never drunk liquor. I never uh, done beer. I I never, I never done drugs. None of those things in my life. But the same hell that the worst murderer and the worst malicious person in this world—that's where I was headed
1: because I had the same disease called sin flowing
0: through my members. You must understand: in my original state, I could not go to heaven. I could not go before God. because there was a shape there was something wrong with me and I could not get to where God was. So there had to be a way to reconcile me to God. And one day as I was a little boy oh there was a preacher that began to preach when I was just a six or seven year old boy up in the mountains of West Virginia. I sat on the second row. My daddy was on the first row. All I remember is a little boy. I crawled over that pew. I said Daddy, I want to be saved. We got off of that pew and I knelt down at that altar. All I remember is saying, Jesus, would You save me? I didn't have no drastic salvation. I didn't have no great big testimony. I didn't get drug out of a beer joint. But you listen to me, honey, with the faith of a child, God Almighty in
1: Heaven, He heard that prayer. And God came to where I was because I couldn't get to where He was. And He came to where I was. And And He took my sinful state. And He took my sinful body. And He took my wretched body and my wretched sin. And that day, darkness went to light as I became converted as a child of the devil into the child of the King. And that day, I was converted
0: into a child of God. And now, I have an access to heaven Because I've been converted. Did you know Jesus had to be converted to make that happen? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost is up in heaven before the foundation of the world. they're trying to come up with a way to reconcile what Adam and Eve had messed up. They're looking all over heaven for one to go. And Jesus said, I'll go. But He couldn't go in His original state. Jesus is sitting there one second. For you to believe your Bible, you got to believe this, but you ain't got no imagination. You just believe what other people tell but, but, but Jesus is there one day. All of heaven is operating. And at once, Jesus left the portals of glory. And He was converted into the womb of a lowly virgin. And He was born into this world converted because how He was He couldn't have came and he had to come low so that somebody that's born low can know Jesus can love them too. He lived low. So somebody that ain't got no money and everybody, somebody can't live high can know that Jesus loves them too. He died low. He was buried low. But praise God, He was converted on that third and glorious day. One more time. When He rose up from the
1: grave. With death, hell, and the grave.
0: Captive in His hands. He was converted so we can be converted. I was converted when I was saved. I was changed. I get this all the time when teenagers they say, Brother CT, I just don't know if I'm saved. I just don't know. And I understand that. But it's very simple. We make it so hard nowadays. So many people say so many things that ain't in that Bible. So many put in all these other requirements that if you ain't screaming, squalling, and crying, and if you didn't come straight out of a beer joint and nail on an altar, then you didn't get it. That ain't in the Bible. Uh, people say all this different stuff about uh, all these different things, but I'm going to tell you, it's very simple. The ground is level at the cross. And people say, well, how do you know when you say, let me ask you this, was there a change in your life? Can you take me to the change that Jesus made in your life? Because if Jesus change, if Jesus saves you, He will change you. One thing drives me crazy as teenagers is they come say, "Brother City, I got saved at teen camp," and then they leave teen camp and go back and live just like a junkyard dog as soon as they get home. Want me to believe that somebody as holy as God's living on the inside of them and they can live contradictory to everything that God is? If something as big as God's living and something as small as you, He's going to stick out somewhere. There's going to be a change in your life. There will be a drastic supernatural change in your life. Could I say thank God for the change that Jesus makes in a man's life. Thank God for the change that God can do in the life of a drunk that's been in in AA. He's been in rehab. He's been in everything this world has to offer and can't
1: sober up But five minutes with God Five minutes at Calvary God can rip out hell And implant heaven The world can explain a lot away But the world cannot explain The change That God makes in a
0: man's life I was converted When God saved me Let me ask you this Where would you be right now? Where would you be right now had you not been converted? Had God not stopped you where you was? Had God not intervened. I wasn't expecting to get on this on Thursday night. When God intervened on your behalf. And He turned everything around. And He took out the nasty. And He took out the sin. Ah, do you remember what it was like to lay down with the guilt and the shame. And all the things that came along with that. And all of God was dealing with your heart. Holy Ghost conviction. But when you got converted, there was a peace that passeth all understanding. In the process of conversion. In the process of conversion. Not only when I was saved, but when I was sent, I had to be converted. I wanted to be a preacher so bad. I ran from it from the time I was 12 or 13, when God started dealing with me all the way to when I was 21 years old, I ran a 100 miles away. My daddy was a Baptist preacher. I knew very quickly that Baptist people many times are the meanest people in the world. And I said, "The last thing I want to be is a preacher." I run from it. I did everything I could. I mean, I I I remember going out and I tried to, I remember thinking, I'll go party. I'll go live wild. And I couldn't party because I was saved. Do yeah. you hear me? It's, I couldn't party. I couldn't fit in with that crowd. I'd put my wife beater on. I went and painted a fake tattoo on my arm. I mean, I'd wear in pants. I'd put my hat crooked. I'd do everything. I tried to look like him idiots, but I couldn't. I remember standing in line one time, I was under I mean I sat there, in my mind I was thinking I need to do something that will make God understand that I'm not going to be a preacher. I need to make God mad so these voices will leave me alone about preaching. And I remember a bunch of my friends, we went to Myrtle Beach, I didn't tell my mom nor my dad because I was 20 years old and my daddy still would have beat the mess out of me. Yeah, yeah, my daddy didn't play, but I I ran off and left, and we I was in this line to go in this place, a, 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 a little dancing jig place, which I can't dance anyhow. I don't know why I was going in there, but I all my friends was there. Was, there was a line; it's about an hour long. Jared was there last night. He'll tell you about it when he preaches tomorrow. But we, we the, the line was real long. Everything was going on, and I I was standing there in that line. Boy, I, I was trying to play tough stuff. I was trying to act like I was. Cool. I mean, I was, I, was, I was, doing everything I knew how to do. I had my shorts down and my undies sticking out. You know how we did it back there is the year was 2000. I had my old flip-flop sandals on, had my braids hat all crooked with the fish hook in it. i just freshly painted tattoo on. I'm saying, I'd I say, guys, I say, what's up, man? Y'all, it's good to see you, dog. I, 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 I come by the place like we're going to have a good time, yo. It's, it's good. And all the whole time I'm like, yo, I ain't never said yo before. And, uh, I look across the street, brother John, and there's a man with black pants, cowboy boots, white shirt cut off at the elbows, black tie on with the red cross right in the middle of it, pockets sticking up out of his place right there with tracks of every genre, shape, color, language, and every, everything it could possibly be. And I knowed, I I don't know what a hundred, I don't know what a million dollars smells like, but I can smell a Baptist preacher from a hundred miles away. I remember instantly sweat started pouring out my head, because I thought, Lord, I bet my daddy supports that preacher, and he's about to tell on me. I'm standing there, and I'm trying my best to ignore him so not to catch eyesight with him, and there's two or three guys with me that we was there with, and uh, I grew up with, and one of my, one of my buddies, he said, Yo, dog, what's that dude over there staring at you for? I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. It's going to be bad about, that if about this here. Quit crying, dog. Quit crying, man. I was like, man, it's going to be bad. It's going to be real bad. And I kept... And he was honed in on me. Boy, God, God had been dealing with my heart about preaching and selling out and I was running from it. I was eight hours from home, but I couldn't get away from God. And I stood there in that line and that man began to walk through that crowd, pulled out of track, and said, sir, God told me to give this to you. And boy, I began to weep and cry. I tried to act like it was a coincidence. And boy, as loud as I've ever heard God, I heard Him say, Get out of here! Before I got to deal with you, I didn't save you to live like this. I didn't save you to act like this. Now get out of here and get back to where you're supposed to be. Before I got to deal with you, instantly, instantly, I begin to weep and cry. God, I remember I, I inside that terrible place. I said, God, if you'll give me another chance. I said, God, please forgive me. God, please forgive me. God, if you'll get me out of here and get me home, I'll do and be whatever you want me to be. I went to my friend. I said, give me the keys. He said, where are you going? I said, I'm going home. He said, the hotel? I said, no, to West Virginia. He said, it's my car. I said, get in or hitch a ride. I said, God's about to kill me if I don't get home. And I went home. And my prayer changed from God, I don't want to be a preacher. And I remember in my mind, Lord God, thank You, Jesus. I remember thinking, God can't use me. I rebelled against God. I ran. Ain't it funny how God will or, 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 or arrange circumstances to kill your pride and kill your self-will to the point where you'll get hungry and say, God, if You give me a second chance, God, if You give me another chance, I promise You I'll do better. And I remember praying, I'd say, Lord, if you're not calling me to preach, do you think you could think about calling me to preach? I'd read my Bible and I'd read about preachers and I'd study preachers. And and to me, instantly, in in just a few months, the coolest people in my world were preachers. I hung around preachers. I went to hear preachers. I loved it. And I had no clue that God was just working things out, converting me into who I needed to be to serve Him. You see, before you was born, God had a plan for your life before you took your first breath, I believe with all my heart that God had a purpose and a plan for your life. And you can run if you want to and run if you will. You can do it the easy way or the hard way. You can make God end your life early if He has to, but God is going to squeeze the purpose out of your life that He birthed you to perform. And you can run and you can live sinful all you want, but it's just going to be a harder trek back for you. And God's going to convert you before this thing's over with. He's going to give Get rid of your will. He's going to get rid of your pride. And before it's over, He will convert you to do what you need to be doing. I was driving up the road in Charleston, West Virginia, working at a hotel, going back and forth, picking people up to the airport. It was snowing. Boy, I'd I'd, I'd been fasting two or three days begging God to show me 100% sure that God was calling me to preach. It was a big battle to me. Because just months before, I was up in West Virginia in Flatwoods at a camp meeting. Micah Henson's up there singing, the power of God's dripping off. I went to the altar. I said, Daddy, God's called me to preach. He said, no, he ain't, son. You always feel like that at a camp meeting. Sit down and shut up. God ain't calling you to preach. So I went and sat down. And from August till January, my dad's telling me I'm not a preacher. And the Holy Ghost is telling me I am. And now it's January and I'm fasting, saying, God, you know, Daddy said I ain't no preacher. But Lord, I can't rest and I can't sleep. I believe you're calling me, but God, I got to know for 100% sure. I said, God, if you could, could you just give me some kind of a sign? You know, let a, let a star go through the sky and just say CT preach in the sky. I won't tell nobody, I promise. I want, just, just give me a sign. Do something. I was driving that van up that hill on a snowy day. And I was weeping, crying, begging God for His touch and begging God for, to reveal my, His calling for my life. And I clicked on the radio. And it was 9 o'clock on the dot and it was old Lester Roloff. Died the year I was born, 1982. he come on the radio. He said, tonight I'm going to be preaching on the subject. God sure needs a few more preachers. He said, someone's out there in radio land and God's telling you to preach and you're struggling with it. And you just need to throw in all the chips and sell out to God and start preaching the gospel. I swerved that van over and I got out in that snow and I said, God, I won't be the best. I may not be the greatest theological giant in the land. I may not be the smartest. I may not be the most popular. I said, but God, I promise you, you got got 100% of everything I am. That day I surrendered my life and I allowed God to convert me to be what I needed to be. We find this word converted when He saved me, when He sent me, but thirdly, when He sanctified me. Have you ever came to an altar and said, Lord, whatever it takes, I've got to have your power. God, whatever it takes, Lord, I want to preach with the power of God on me. Some of you singers may say, I want to sing with the touch of heaven on me. Some of you mamas may say, I want to raise my kids in a Holy Ghost home. Some of you daddies may say, I I want to be a Holy Ghost filled daddy. God, please make me what I need to be. And you know what? God hears that prayer. And I believe so does the devil. And sometimes I've noticed a pattern... That if God is going to use someone's life many times, they've got to go through the process. Jesus, He said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Note this, many times Satan is just a tool in the hand of God getting you to where you need to be. And although the Satan thought he was destroying him, he can only do as much as God allowed him to do. Because everything that happens to you has got to go through the Master before it can come to you. The devil can't kill you unless God, God's in control of it all. Before the devil can bring anything into your life, it has to be approved by God Almighty. And Jesus was approving everything that was fixing to happen to Simon. Simon could not see that he was going to preach at Pentecost and thousands be saved. Simon could not see the elevation of his ministry down the road. Simon could not see the power of God that was going to work in his life. But in order to get Simon from this place to that place, there had to be a process. And many times it's a process of pain. Many times, I don't know about you, have you ever stood beside a graveyard and beside a graveside and said, God, why in the world would you allow this to happen in my life? Have you ever had a bad doctor's report in your family and you say, God, why are you allowing my family to suffer through this mess? Have you ever had relationships severed and you say, God, why in the world? I'm serving you. I'm loving you. Why would you allow these things into my life? But could I say that many times it's through those times that God will plug us in to the power of God and God can use us and squeeze as much of Himself out of us as we ever have. When God sanctifies us, nearly every preacher that I have ever sought after and prayed for a touch of God like they had there, I've got about six or seven preachers that down through my life have meant the world to me. And many times I've said, Boy, if I can just have a touch of what they got. But you study their lives, and their lives are full of the process. I remember when I was a teenager, many times the kids that were drinking liquor and and doing all kinds of crap, their their life was fine. But the kids that wanted to serve Jesus, seems like many times their lives would be full of troubles and trials. Mamas and daddies that didn't bring them to church. Mamas and daddies that didn't come to church maybe. And many times their lives were the lives that went through the process. Many times of my life, seems like over the last two years... I started really praying. God, don't let me get in the way of me. God, don't let me get in the way of what you've got for my life. God, use me. I got dreams. I I I want to build things, and I want to see God accomplish things in my life. And I said, God, please use my life. And God heard that prayer, and so did the devil. And I'm not going into details because I don't want to get into it and I don't want to talk about it. But it's almost like the devil set up shop at my house and tried to sift me as wheat. There were times in my life I was so scared I, I didn't want to preach. I, I, I began to get sick in my body and I, all kinds of stuff happened. I, it was unexplainable all the things going on and I went to a medical doctor sat at a Ph.D. doctor's office and began to talk to this doctor about what's going on. And he laid his pad and his pencil to the side. And he said, sir, are you a Christian? I said, yes, sir. He said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a preacher. And he said, oh. I said, what do you mean, all?" Oh? He said, sir, you don't have a physical problem. You have a spiritual problem. He said, you're fighting spiritual warfare. He said, you got a target on your back. He said, and the devil is trying to destroy you. And he got his little pad and pencil out, and he said, read the Bible. He said, this is the only thing I can give you, is stay close to your Bible. He said, and the Bible's going to see you through. My, my my doctor! I'm not talking about a preacher. My doctor said, sir, this ain't, a, this ain't a physical thing. This is a spiritual thing. He said, I don't know what you're doing. I've never heard you preach. He said, but you must be doing something because the devil's trying to kill you. He said, what is the one thing that when you have these fits, what's the one thing you don't want to do? I said, I don't want to go preach. He said, the devil's attacking you because he don't want you preaching no more. He said, you go tonight wherever you're going and you preach with everything you got. He said, and I promise you, you stick in that Bible and you're going to get through this after a while. And I'll not go into the details, but it was the darkest, deepest valley I've ever went through. Nothing wrong. Just the devil camped out of my house and began to try to kill me. We got through it. I went on a I went on a fast in December this past year and it's almost like I could start sensing daylight. I could almost sense myself coming out of it and there's things that have transpired in my life since January that I never would have saw coming that God's blessed me with. Things I've prayed about since I was in college and God's just opened doors that are absolutely incredible that I never could open for myself. And this, this May, I'm out of it. Boy, I'm happy. I'm me again. I'm out of that storm. I'm out of that battle. And God had converted me into what I needed to be. Because you don't get through that stuff until you get done getting changed. That's the purpose of the trial is that you get changed into what God wants you to be. And me and Jared and my daddy, a bunch of preachers, was up there in West Virginia and my dad said, Jared, I'm, I'm done. Hand me that thing. You can get on that pen if you want to. And my daddy said, we're going to go whitewater rafting up in West Virginia. I'm not talking about no sissy rapids. I'm talking about West Virginia, Mountain Mama, Class 5 rapids. We's all there. and We wasn't none of us going back down because Jared was looking at me and I was looking at him and we got this manhood thing going on where he ain't tough than me and I ain't tough than him and all that kind of stuff. Y'all know the man code. You don't back down from stuff. People think you're wearing pink underwear. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, I, I, we was there and my dad said, come on, boys. We're going to go to them class five rapids. A class six rapid is Niagara Falls. And uh, we said, all right. We went. We had so much fun, Preacher. There's about 15 creatures. We had two or three boats going down that river. We was having a blast. And our guide, and he carried one of these the whole way. This is a throw rope in case you fell out of the boat. It's how he got you back in the boat. And uh, we got going down through there. And he was naming all the rapids and talking about everything. And he, you know, he, he warned us. And he said, at the end of this four-hour trip, it's a four-hour rafting trip, all the way down the New River Gorge. He said, when we get to the end, there's one big huge rapid and it's called the Widowmaker. He started saying the stats of how many people had died that year going through the Widowmaker. He said, I'm going to let y'all decide if you want to go through it or go around it. He said, your arms allowed to be tired by the time we get there. He said, it's going to be y'all's choice. We were so wore out by the time we got to the end of that trip. And that guide said... Alright boys, time to make up your mind. Are we going to go through it or are we going to go around it? The boat got dead quiet. Nobody wanted to make that call. Nobody wanted to say, we started looking, there was a big drop off. And that guide told us that when, it, that when the water goes over that huge rock, there's a, a huge wave that goes 18 foot up in the air. People have died. Many times that year going through that thing. And uh, he said, what are we going to do? Jared said, let's go through it. And everybody was like, yeah, let's go through it. Let's go through it. You know, we was all with it. So we started going down through there. And that guy started giving us instruction. He said, if, it, if you fall out of the boat, he said, number one, he said, keep your head up out of the water. He said, because I'm going to be throwing this rope at you. And I'm going to aim at your head. That's all that's going to be sticking out of the water. He said, this is your only hope of getting back in the boat. He said, keep your head up when you get in the water. He said, number two, he said, underneath those water, there's hydro pools. He said, if those hydro pools get you, he said, that's how people die. He said, it traps them in those hydro pools. He said, you just fight your way and do your best to get out of there. He said, and I'll be there to get you soon. He said, keep your feet up. He said, because... Your legs can get caught in them rocks and the water will push you over. It will break your legs and you die at the bottom of the water and we won't find you. So we're all sitting there and we're thinking, well, let's go around it then. <laughs> let's, let's go around this thing. He said, it's too late. We couldn't get out of the current if we wanted to. He said, we're headed right for it. He said, we're right in the path of it. We can't get out of it. And boy, I mean, I got I got pictures out of the house. I wish I'd have known. I'd put it on the screen. My face was terrible. I looked like a little three-year-old that was on trick or treat for the first time. I mean, I, I mean, I was just scared to death of that huge wave. We hit that thing, brother John. Rather, it hit us. And it's just like a mean mother-in-law. It picked that boat up and shook it all over the place. It threw every one of us preachers out of that boat. I mean, we were scattered all over that water. My 50 year some old dad is floating down that water. Jared's out of the boat. I'm out of the boat. And I remember thinking when I got in that water, it was so quick and so loud. I remember thinking, I gotta get out of here because I gotta get my daddy. I gotta get out of here because I get, and little did I know I was in one of them hydro pools and it was just, I was right in the middle of it, and it was sucking me to the bottom. And I was pulling and pulling and pulling, and I couldn't get nowhere. I was about to lose my last breath, and about that time, that guy grabbed me, slung me in the boat. I'd have probably drowned had he not grabbed me that day. He grabbed me, threw me in the boat, and I watched that guy grab those throw ropes, and he started launching them all over at water. I mean, he's hitting people right in the head. They're all over that water, and he's, he's getting them in one by one. The other guys and the other boats are, are going down at this point, and we're all stranded, the boat's upside down, and that guy's on top of that boat just throwing them rafts out, throwing them ropes out. Little by little, he threw Jared back in the boat, and he threw other people, and the only people, only person that wasn't in the boat was my dad. Water's everywhere. Everything's upside down. I'm literally scared to death. Where's Dad? Where's Daddy? Where's Daddy? Where's Daddy? Daddy? We can't find Him nowhere. Over in the corner, us preachers had three boats and there's a bunch of Indians, uh, gas gas, uh, store owners. You know what I'm talking about. A bunch of Indians... Got their own boat over there on the side. It's three boats of preachers and and a boat of genuine Indians over there. Real deal. I'm talking about can't talk a lick of English. And I look and them Indians are pulling my A K C registered redneck daddy out of that water, throwing him in that Indian boat. I'm thinking, Lord, Daddy's dying right now. And uh you know, and, all the next thing I remember me and Jerry looking over there and my dad jumps up and he's like, Thank God for the land of India. And all them Indians start going, Yeah, 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 yeah and they just going crazy, you know, having a time. We all got back, finally got back in the boat and we laughed about it and carried on. And uh I got over to that guide, preacher. And I looked that guy in the eyes. I said, sir. I said, can I be honest with you? I said, I, I don't mean to sound like a sissy. I said, but that little deal just scared me to death. Jared still ain't talking. I mean, he just, his eyes was big. All of us, no joke, all of us literally thought we was going to die. All of us were sucked under that water. And all of us literally thought we was either going to bang our head on a rock and we was going to die. It was that bad. Everybody's sitting in that boat, we're not talking, trying to catch our breath. And I looked at that guy, I said, sir, that scared me to death. I said, I'm going to be honest, I said, I didn't think I was going to make it. I said, but you're the guide. I said, tell me what you think. I said, did that scare you as bad as it scared us? And That guy had that throw rope, and he was putting them ropes back in the bags. He said, Mr. Townsend, he said, I, I run this river every single day. He said, "I've ran it in the fall, in the summer, in the spring. In the winter. he said, I know what it's like when the water's down. I know what it's like when the water's up. I know where the big rocks are. I know where the hydro pools are. He said, when you fell and I couldn't find you, I knew exactly where you were. That's how I reached under the water and grabbed you. He said, I guide this water every single day. He said, I knew which way the current was going to carry all the people on the boat. He said, I knew where to throw the ropes to lead. You. He said, Sir, I'm the guide. He said, This ain't my first trip down the rodeo. He said, This ain't my first time. He." He said, I knew where everybody was. He said, but to answer your question. He said, no, it didn't scare me like it scared you. And he said this. He said, I knew you was going to make it. I knew you was going to make it. We laughed and carried on talked about it. And we got back in that bus, headed back to the, to the plant there where our vans were parked. And I had just come through the deepest, darkest valley of my life. When I was here last year, I was in the middle of it. I remember sitting over there saying, Lord, I can't preach. I don't feel it. I don't sense God. I'd open my Bible up and I felt like I was reading the newspaper. I felt like God was a hundred miles away from me. And the only time I'd feel God is when I'd get behind a pulpit. And I'd preach. And it'd come off me for a little bit. And God would help me. But as soon as I'd go sit down, I'd fall right back into it. I remember being here last year and we went up that man's cabin up on that hill. And I sat up there and begged God to let me come through that mess. God, please let me smile again. God, i got a brand new little boy I can't even pick my own head up. God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? No answer. Now, I'm in that bus going home. And boy, I felt the Holy Ghost. And that verse come in my mind, When thou art converted... Strengthen the brethren. And boy, I started talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm on the other side of this storm now. But that deal scared me to death. Lord, there's a bunch of times you know I want to lay my Bible down. I was done. And just like that guide, I said, Lord, that deal scare you as bad as it scared me. I didn't think I was going to make it. And just as sweet as the Holy Ghost came I felt God wrap His arms around me and say, Son, I'm God. I created that river. I put those rocks in place. I created the water that goes through that river. I knew every place. I know everything about it. I watched you when you was at your darkest place. I was there with you when you was in your darkest situation. I knew exactly what was going on. But you prayed that I would use you. And you prayed that I would touch your life. And you can't get there with the path of easiness. So I had to put you through the trouble. And I had to put you through the trial. So that you would be what I need you to be. Boy, I could hear Jesus, just like that guide, say, but to answer your question, no, it didn't scare me. Go read Luke 22. I knew you'd make it. Jesus said, I prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, go back to Murrayville, and do your best to strengthen the brethren. Go back up there to Brother John's church. Go back over to North Carolina. Go over there to Alabama. Go to them places and let them know that they may be facing high waters and they may be facing trouble and trial, but they're going to make it through their storms.
1: They may be facing deep, dark depression, but as much as the sun will go down and night will rise, the sun will come back up in the morning. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh
0: in the morning. When I was going through them dark days, only thing I knew to quote was a little part of that Bible. And I'd say, and it came to pass. And it came to pass. It didn't come to stay. It ain't always going to be this way. It came to pass. And when you least expect it, and when life throws you a curveball, and you can't get your head and, and spiritually you feel like you're suffocating and you can't find which way's up or which way's down. You're going to look up and the Holy Ghost is going to throw the rope of hope at you. And you're going to start feeling Him pull you back in the boat. And you're going to feel that rope get a hold of you. And you've been doing it by yourself for so long. You've wept yourself to sleep. You've worked your way through church. You feel like a hypocrite. Because you don't feel God no more. And you can't sense God no more. You think it's all this a big joke. But little did you know, God is just working on you. And God's just making you into what you need to be. And before you know it, you're going to feel the hand of God. And going to pull you back in the boat. And you're going to get to weep again. You're going to shout again. You're going to cry again. You're going to feel the breath of heaven again. The choir can sing and you'll rejoice again. And you might get to hear Him like I heard Him say, I knew you'd make it. I knew you'd make it. I had my eyes on you the whole time. I know when you went beside that graveside, you thought it was going to kill you too. But keep on moving. You're going to make it. I know when that doctor gave you that bad report, you thought it was over. But it ain't over till I say it's over. Come here. Come here. And that rope of hope will pull you back to where you need to be. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift his weakness but I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not and when, and when thou art converted, strengthen the bread. You might as well let God convert you because you ain't getting out till He converts you. You're not getting out of that thing till the perfect work of God is done in your life. As long as you keep kicking against the will of God and pushing against the will of God and bustling your way around and having your way rather than God's way, you're going to stay in that stream. But as soon as you let go and say, God, whatever you want, then you'll be converted and He'll pull you out of the water. Heads bowed and eyes are closed all over the church.